Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. But she lied. Uh, I'm not Mike Heck, as you can very well see. I am Jed Mashu, also of MMAfighting.com, great website. And I am proud to announce that I'm taking over. Guest hosting for Mike this week while he's on vacation, a well-earned vacation. And I'm happy I got the call up because today, got a fun one to two of the best minds in combat sports. First, the handsome half of morning combat, the BBC with the BDE, Mr. Brian Campbell, how we doing? Oh, yeah, fired up to be back here. Uh, I was going to say Mike Heck, but that ain't you. Is it true, Jed, that you have a law degree? Did you get that at a gas station? But great to be here just the same. I do have a law degree. It's on that wall, uh, but I don't use it because it might. So it might as well have come from a gas station. Speaking of people who came from a gas station, the most handsome man in MMA full stop, a, a lover of high level mixed martial arts and the man behind anything but fighting. Mr. Jose Young's Jose, how we doing? Is that like because Mexicans are good at make at working at gas stations? I'm confused by that. That reference. Yeah, that was anyway, pretty, uh, that was pretty racist <laughs> of you, uh, Jed. <laughs> Seriously, wow. I'm very confused. Now, but wow. to be fair, to be wow. fair, he does he does have a law degree from the south, so you just have to be able to write your name in crayons, and then they give you one down there. So uh, happy to pretty be here. We know what it is. I'm here to lose to BC. Let's get it. Let's get it on. <laughs> Hey, hey, you said he's the best looking guy in MMA sports journalism. I thought Joanna said that was Okamoto. Didn't we already cover that? Well, Brett kind of transcends beauty. I'm just, you know, I'm the most handsome MMA journalist. Brett is like, you know, like, you know, it's like there's movie stars and then there's, there's movie stars and then there's people that are on television. I'm the television yeah. guy. <laughs> Look, hot take. Brett Akimoto just presents himself well. He he just dresses nicely and he he tricks you into thinking. But look at this man. Look at this man to my do camera my right, I guess. Just not even trying. Look, look at that. 
<laughs> I'm uncomfortable now. I wanted to bring a different energy to the show with Mike out, so I'm glad we could get Jose off right from the start. Well, let's hop into it because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I didn't think there would be kind of when last week when we were talking about it, I was talking with Mike saying, yeah, I'll take over while you're on. And all hell is broken loose. So let's jump into it. Normally, Mike starts the first round off by talking about the big fights last weekend. So that's what we're going to do. But we're going to start with the biggest one, the only fight that is still producing headlines as we speak. That's Nate Diaz's battle with Law and Order. Over the weekend, Diaz gotten a couple of altercations. Uh, the biggest one, a Bourbon Street brawl that resulted in him allegedly, I don't even know if I need allegedly here, choking out a Logan Paul lookalike Rodney Peterson. Uh, after that, New Orleans police issued an arrest warrant. And this morning, Nate Diaz turned himself in to the New Orleans police. Uh, within the last few minutes, it appears that he has posted bail is out uh, and is allowed to return to Stockton as this will move forward. So let's jump right into it. BC, we'll start with you. What the hell do you make of all of this? Well, this is obviously the street version of gotcha hat when Jake stole the hat of Floyd Mayweather ahead of his brother Logan's big boxing match a couple years ago. You know, this has to be brilliant marketing from Nate Diaz. You think he cares about a catch in a case? No, he cares about sending a message to Jake Paul ahead of their August boxing match that if anybody comes across my path that even looks like your family, I'm going to choke him cold. The only thing I'm not convinced with is whether Nate ever found out that actually wasn't Logan. Do we have proof of that? <laughs> you know, uh, I can't say for sure uh, that. I mean, they, they look identical. It could be the same thing. Jose, where do you stand on on this tomfoolery? Because a lot of people have come out. I mean, Michael Bisping, who himself not a stranger to incidents like this mm. said, you know, Nate's getting a little too old for this sort of thing is, do you agree? I mean, Nate, Nate's pushing 40 and here we are getting into street brawls with wannabe influencers. Yeah. He's almost 40 and he has kids. I'm not saying he's too old because it's Nate Diaz. And if you read a headline that says someone ran up on Nate Diaz and then that person ended up unconscious, you'd probably be like, yeah, that probably makes sense. So I don't know. This it's it's just a world where you take Nate Diaz and you drop him in this influencer world where all of these kids are trying to make a name off themselves. Like if there's one thing to take Floyd Mayweather's hat, who is like five, six, whatever, and then run away and say, gotcha hat, laugh and then tattoo it on your shin. There's another thing to walk up to Nate Diaz on a street where a lot of drunk people around play stupid games, win stupid prizes. If your whole gimmick in life is to look like another individual and you run up on an actual street fighter who doesn't really seem to care about, as BC said, catching a case, he was more than happy to pull out of a fight when he was, he was wrongfully alleged to have taken steroids. He's like, I don't got a fight. You need me more than I need you. I'm out. And then they cleared that. Nate Diaz isn't worried about it. So, uh, but I'm not surprised that some jabroni ran up on him and, slapped his head across the can across the cement <laughs> yeah not the not the canvas on bourbon street as a Imagine. man who's been there a couple of times not not a lot of canvas out there no okay so let's talk about where we go moving forward because there are a bunch of angles to this ariel helwani yesterday was talking about the idea that nate should probably get private security because as you said jose you're dropping him into this influencer boxing world where everybody is 
they're cloud chasing. And that feels really a lot like what was going on here. So is this just going to be the new normal for as long as Nate Diaz stays in this influencer boxing world? Jose, let's go back to you on this. Is is can we expect more of this? Um, maybe not to this degree, especially if you know now he's out on on bond and he had to turn himself in. There was an arrest warrant. Maybe he dials it back a bit. And I'm saying like Nate's not going out there looking for the confrontation. The confrontation seems to be coming to him. So maybe someone, if as you said, and as Eric Hawani said, if someone in Nate's team is smart enough, they'll get him some sort of handler, some sort of real security, because there's a difference between having trained security guards who are there to keep people away and just having your boys who are all black belts around you who are saying having chris get, chris avila come like like there like there's a difference between the guy that's like yeah come try me and the guy that's like hey get out of the way we got places to be get our actual you know trained security guard to keep the peace and then keep nate diaz out of jail so we can see this boxing match that everyone allegedly wants to watch so uh, i'm not it's probably not going to happen too much more unless the confrontation comes to Nate, which very well could if he doesn't get security. Yeah, look, this okay. influencer world is is weird, right? Like Nate earlier in the night had been bum rushed by this Chase Demore guy who, uh, you know, got disqualified for landing like 46 illegal blows in that misfits fight when his opponent <laughs> was down and then, you know, tried to get Nate's attention on his raid. I remember when that dude Corey B got all up on Paulie Malignaggi and then they had a fight. This is what influencers do. I think for Nate, this is the justifiable tax you pay publicly to send a message to everybody else that I may be in this space this bubble of crossover celebrity boxing because i'm here for the money but but i don't play that shit i'm nate diaz and like it's weird you know to hear bisping or anybody else go you know oh you're 40 maybe you should kind of be better than this now i'm glad nate isn't do you remember in the mid 80s when wrestling <laughs> pro wrestling was still real like bill watts in the mid-south territory <laughs> Like he had a rule. If you got into a fish fight at a bar with a fan who claimed wrestling was fake and you lost, you were cut from the promotion. I'm not saying that should still be alive today in elite mixed martial arts circles outside the cage. But if anybody should be about that life, it's Mr. 209, Nate Diaz. So it's good to see he still is. And can we put a modicum of respect on bootleg Logan Paul or whatever we're calling this bullshito fellow over here? <laughs> I mean, Habib got slapped by Nate and wanted nothing to do with that, right? Dustin pulled out of the New York City fight against Nate and took an L. Fake oh, Logan wow. Paul was 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 there was was willing to 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 tussle, right? He'll tumble for you. I had respect for that. Look, <laughs> I. I will give Rodney Peterson his props because through all the reporting we currently have, it doesn't appear that he is pressing charges on this one. He was, he was chasing the clout and he's not, seems like he is not going about this in um, let's say the Colby Covington way to handle a situation like this. So I will give him a modicum of respect in that he played his dumb game. He won his dumb prize. Jose, the last thing on this uh, after this happened, Jake Paul, KSI came out, said, you know, KSI offered to step in if Nate's legal troubles prevent him from fighting. Jake Paul sure. said, 
to have you be the backup fighter. Do you think Nate then says you guys can fight each other? I don't care. Very Nate response. Do you think that this affects their the Jake Paul Nate Diaz fight in any way, or is is that still going to happen come August? I am probably because, as I said, people allegedly want to watch it and money talks. And this happened on Bourbon Street, and I'm confident when I say that worse things happened on Bourbon Street that night that police had to deal with than Nate Diaz sleeping a guy. I'm confident that more than one person got slept in that 30 minute span on bourbon street. So Nate Diaz just happens to be a high profile individual. So we're talking about it. If this wasn't Nate Diaz, nothing probably happens. If, if the guy, if Nate Diaz looks like Brian or Jed, this wouldn't be a story either. So that's just, it's no, yeah, this fight's happening a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with Jose on, on one thing he he was inferring that at least seven people in that video had chlamydia. I mean, it's New Orleans, right? It's the streets. It's right. it's like, Correct. you know, I mean, you, you ever been out in Bourbon Street area after 8 p.m.? I mean, it gets gross. So, yeah, I'm with I think this is much ado about nothing. Like, yeah, Nate will yeah. pay the fine or show up in court or do whatever he has to do. But, you know, he sent a message out there. And uh, no, this won't affect the Jake fight. This will get us more interested. In fact, Jake should be playing this up. I want to see now Jake. Uh, beat up a fake Nick Diaz, right? Like you know, or maybe Nick himself. Oh, He's a little doy uh, these days, right? Maybe you know. BC, don't give the world any ideas. We don't need any more tomfoolery out there. <laughs> Jake did immediately come out with a video, essentially mocking me. So, so fast, which, like. Look, Jake, you can have any number of thoughts about Jake Paul, and I may share many of them with you, but the man understands the MMA and the the internet content space. He is quickly producing responses for stuff like this. Good. Solid first round. We're going to move on. We have a shocking amount to talk about. So, Casey, give me my drum roll. The first round's going to go to to Brian Campbell. I mean, when when you invoke the great Habib Nurmagomedov, mm. being too scared, he was scared, yeah. homie. And he basically uh, and called Habib a coward on on national yeah. television. Twenty nine yeah. and one. All right, yeah, or whatever we got here. All right, thirty and one. Where are we at? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next topic. A lot of other real fights, uh, sanctioned fights, let's call them that, as all the fights are real. Sanctioned right. fights happened last weekend. So let's get into the, to the bulk of them. We had the UFC going down uh, back at the Apex. Everyone loves an Apex card. We had a Bellator Hawaii doubleheader, but we'll start with the UFC because Sergey Pavlovich might just be that dude. Uh, we, we're going to talk all about that fight, but he ices Curtis Blades just over three minutes in the main event of USC Vegas 71. And Jose, we're going to start with you. Six straight first round KO victories for Sergey mm. Pavlovich. Can anyone stop this man? Uh, probably John Jones. Probably Cyril gone. And after that, I am not overly confident because I thought Curtis Blades, I'm not saying steamroll. Over him, I, on the preview show, I said I would not be surprised if Curtis Blades just 50-45 Sergey like he did to Alexander Volkov and just, you know, use that high-level explosive wrestling he keeps talking about. And everyone keeps talking about why didn't Curtis Blades just shoot for takedowns and this and that. He was finding success on the feet against Sergey Pavlovich. Sergey Pavlovich just decided to unveil 
an unbelievable chin out of nowhere. Because if you watch that replay, Curtis Blades is landing flush on his chin. This is the same punches that put down JDS, the same punches that put down Chris Dawkins and and all these other. And I know the Tom Aspinall one was goofy, but Curtis Blades was landing bombs on Sergey, and Sergey just didn't laugh, didn't smile, didn't phase. He just fadored his way through that and then just uncorked a barrage of, as I said, death by a thousand lunchboxes on Curtis Blade. So um, John Jones, I'm confident, could beat him. Cyril Gon, maybe, because he's also, he can probably match his speed uh, and precision and everything, but I'm not overly as overly confident with Cyril Gon as I was after the John fight and after watching what Sergey did to Curtis Blades. Outside of John Jones, it's at worst 50-50 against Sergey Pavlovich against any one of the top 10 of heavyweight. I was really is... excited by the yeah, sorry. Am I supposed no, no, to talk go, now? Go I, I keep you walking can, all over. You just yet, jump right? wherever you want, BC, and I'll work around right. you. I'll piss. You know, you guys provide the sink. All right, here we go. Uh, what I'm trying to say here is this is my best type of development. This is my best type of uh get excited about the prospect that's red hot who has worked himself into legitimate title contention. Yeah, we don't know shit about Sergey Pavlovich at the end of the day. The only thing we know is he loves to play the slots, right? Which maybe comes in handy because the champion right now in this division <laughs> used to love to play the slots. I mean, we had Boo Boo Wild thing calling him at the Ooh. Albuquerque intersection. All right, we'll, we'll edit that out afterwards. That was my Ooh. worst material of the day. But what I'm really <laughs> trying to say is this. I love when somebody gets to this point, looks this devastating, and we've yet to see him in situations to get completely exposed like another rising heavyweight Alexander Romanov just did recently in back-to-back fights where he gassed out and then just came in overweight and looked like a slob. It's like, didn't that guy used to be that guy? Yeah, he did for a minute. Pavlovich is that guy, but he just keeps knocking good fighters out left and right. I would love for him to get into a title fight against John Jones if he gets through Stipe Miocic this fall with these same questions unanswered ultimately because he fills the role as the, as you know, the, the, the Russian looking villain at the end of the, you know, the B action movie, but he's got the same reach as John Jones. He's got the lunchbacks fists that you mentioned. He's scary as shit, man. He looks like Shane Carr went on steroids as much as that sounds like an oxymoron, but um, I mean, he's (laughs) just a monster. I want to find out at the highest level. If he's got enough cardio for two or three rounds, if he can wrestle at all, if his takedown defense is any better than it was in that one time when he stuffed Blades cold after he finally started to hurt him. I think this is a really fun development for the division. we got to wait a little bit more on Tom Aspinall coming back to finally have his moment. But um, I want reasons for John Jones to, to stay around and keep defending that title. And I actually think Pavlovich is one of those reasons because John's too smart in his mind. He's seen the tape. Oh, that guy's limited. I'll destroy him. Fine. Let's make that fight next after Stipe and find out. I think that's good matchmaking. Jose, that is a great segue because my next question was going to be about John Jones. Cause at the end of it, Sergey says, Hey, I'm, I'm waiting for my title shot. Conflicting kind of feelings among the MMA intelligentsia saying John's going to fight Stipe and retire. Do you think, you know, is Sergey Pavlovich somebody of interest to John Jones? Should he get past Stipe Miocic? Hmm. I don't know because I'm tired of trying to figure out what John Jones is thinking. I've been doing that for 10 years and it doesn't usually work out. Um, usually the opposite happens and usually it's not great. And usually it happens outside of the octagon. So uh, John Jones did tweet like a mad, like, 
something along the lines like imagine the scenes of beating the greatest heavyweight of all time in my home state and then retiring if john jones is tweeting about retiring and he retires no one should be surprised but then obviously a fan goes no keep fighting goes oh okay yeah no problem something something along those lines um i don't know if sergey is enough to keep him around but john jones does like money uh, and if the UFC sees money in Sergey Pavlovich it, with this big Russian audience that they've been cultivating lately, and they give John Jones a lot of money, maybe he does ride off into the sunset against Sergey Pavlovich. I don't think Sergey Pavlovich right now is a big enough name to keep John Jones around in the UFC because he came back to fight Cyril Gaon. He didn't seem overly excited to fight for the vacant heavyweight title because it was Cyril Gaon. And then a lot of the whole time build up, he's like, kind of talking about Stipe, kind of talking about Francis and this and that, not really talking about Cyril Gaon. Don't know if Sergey Pavlovich is a big enough name, but if, as BC says, if he goes, this guy's limited, I can make a lot of money to just kind of mop the floor with this guy, would, it be, would be a very John Joe's move to stick around for one fight and just destroy Sergey and then retire. But I don't know. I'm tired. Again, like I said, I'm tired of trying to get in the mind of John Jones. Hasn't worked out for the last 10 years. It's, it's it's a tough mind to to read. I will say I am on the of the opinion that he's going to fight Sergey, because exactly like BC said, I think he looks at this as a very winnable fight. I mean, you can draw a lot of parallels to Pavlovich and Ngannou, a bunch of first round early finishes before Stipe just tackled him. And the the kicker for me, BC, I want to get your thoughts on this. If he sticks around, if he beats Stipe. And then he beats Sergey. He's got two title defenses at heavyweight. One more ties the UFC record. He is a good year away from becoming the undisputed greatest UFC heavyweight of all yeah. time. And if you can walk away your career as the GOAT light heavyweight, the GOAT heavyweight, most people's estimation, the GOAT fighter, that's that's an unimpeachable career, even with all the other stuff. So you got to be with me, right, BC? You think he's coming oh, back I, for Pavlovich? I think I felt like I was the only one making this argument. Everyone's going, well, I saw John's interview. It looks like maybe Stipe and he's done. Are you kidding me? I mean, under the scenario you just laid out, imagine if that third title defense was Tom Asmodal in front of 80,000 people in, an, in a UK soccer stadium. Like, 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 what if? What if they get the Anthony Joshua rock star treatment and really do that? Here's the thing about John Jones. He's one of the best competitors we have ever seen in, uh, you know, really. I mean, seriously, combat sports across all sports. I've always talked up his unflappable ability, the, the ability where no matter what chaos is going on in his life, he can focus, he can compartmentalize. Floyd Mayweather can do that. Gervonta Davis can do that. It's a rare skill. But he loves being the best. And I think he looks at this landscape and how easily he literally sat on gone and won back the championship here. Francis not coming through that door if Dana has anything to say about it. I look across this landscape and I think John says, look, I can beat all of these guys. Why don't I just cement the idea of being the goat of goats that there's not even an argument or conversation. And Oh, by the way, let me, as you said, Jed, take a ton of money along in the process because UFC one day is going to debut at, you know, Allegiant stadium in Las Vegas. And they're going to one day do the UK soccer stadium thing. If you're John Jones, you know, why, why, why don't you say to yourself, I want to be a part of that. I want to be making close to the type of money that I originally sat out of this game 
and made that argument that I demand and deserved Deontay Wilder money. I don't think John Jones is afraid of anybody. And I know there's still some lingering wall. You know, he did conveniently choose to come back after Nganu finally left after three years. Yeah, there's some wonkiness in there, too, that I don't really understand what was really happening. But John Jones, I think, looks at every situation and, and wants to find the most competitive option and then wants to beat them. I think his life works out a little bit better when he's winning and inactive and busy. If there's a chance he's learned from the missteps in his life, now would be the time to sit down and put together the, you know, a potentially the, the most, not the best run he's ever had. Cause I don't think anyone's had a run like he had in that five, six fight stretch at light heavyweight beginning with the, with the Bader or even the, the Hua fight to win the title in terms of quality of names and just destruction. But it's been a long time. It seems since John Jones has had it all together personally, I think winning really helps fuel that that comfortability and that process. I think we're going to see the best of John Jones over the next few years. You're not going to hear about retirement. You're going to hear about, you know, how much further can he go? If they can get that loss off of his record, whether anyone accepts that loss or not against Matt Hamill. But look at what Habib did. I know Habib retiring undefeated didn't get the the fanfare of Floyd Mayweather doing it at 50-0. But like in MMA, it's way more ridiculous what, what Habib did. How about John Jones has the idea of like, how many more title defenses would it take for me to put my record, what I accomplish, way out there so nobody can touch it? That's the bones we actually know underneath it all. Yeah, he likes to fool around and party a little bit and gets text messages late at night and shoots guns in the Albuquerque street corners and hangs out with drug dealers. But, you know, I've made a few missteps in my life, too. They still ask me back on this show. I don't know why, but, you know, here I am, right? We we will have John Jones on this show whenever he would like to come. So stick with that. We're going to move on from the UFC Vegas 72 talk, though, because let's be – or 71, though that frankly holds the same for 72. Not a lot else happened on this card, but a lot of other stuff happened this past weekend. The Bellator doubleheader is where we're going next. Jose Youngs, you're a lover of high-level mixed martial arts. Yes. Patchy Mix. I, yes. Do I need to say anything? Patchy Mix knocks out Ruffian Stotts in the first round, wins the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix. I'm giving you the floor to talk about Patchy Mix because afterwards he said he's the best Bantamweight in the world, and he might be. I don't. Is that is that crazy for him to believe that he's the best Bantamweight in the world? No, Patchy Mix is incredibly good at professionally fist fighting human beings, and. I said leading into this fight that I was picking Patchy Mix, but I thought it was going to be, I thought he was going to submit Rofion Stotts because he's a guy like Rofion Stotts is an incredible wrestler. He's an incredibly athletic dude. But like when Danny Sabs and him fought, there was kind of the blueprint out there where Danny Sabs controlled a lot of the fight. Yes, Rofion Stotts won, but there was a lot of openings for a guy like Patchy Mix who he's not going in there to hold you down, kind of grind you against the fence. He's going in there to decapitate you, to separate your the oxygen from your lungs, to snap your arms, to do something violent to you, something's with bad intention. Patchy Mix is every de definition of the word of a hunter in there. And I thought he was going to submit Rofion Stotts in the later rounds. And the facts that he, there is no, no colder image in MMA than kneeing someone in the chin standing up and then just walking away into a million-dollar giant goofy check. That is the coldest image out there. And Patchy Mix walked in there, didn't smile at all, need Rufion Stotts in the chin. If you watch the replay, it sounded like a, a baseball player hitting a, hitting a home run. That is what Go it sounded yard. like. He went yard with his knee on Rufion Stotts' jaw, standing up, standing. This wasn't in the clinch. This was 
step in knee to the jaw. Lyoto Machida did obviously did that a lot to the body. Dude did it to a professional fist fighter to the jaw and sent him tumbling and Mark Hunt walked away. Is Patchy Mix the best bantamweight in the world? I don't know. He's I I think he's the best, very easily the best bandweight on the Bellator roster. I would favor him over Patricio Pitbull at 135. Now, obviously, if Patricio Pitbull looks unbelievable against Sergio Pettis, that's another conversation we could have. But I would favor him against Sergio Pettis easily. Um, this, the fact that we're talking about Patrick Mix knocking people out has like over 15 something submissions too. Dangerous Cat, I would favor him over. A lot of people in the UFC, I'm not ready to put him above Marab, Corey Sanhagen, Aljo, or Cejudo. Or, and I know Umar Nurmagomedov is out there. He's a little lower ranked because of the competition he's fought. But throw Patchy Mix in there with anyone in the top five of the UFC, and it will be extremely competitive. So the dude is unbelievable. Rofion Stotts is unbelievable. But the fact that we watched what Patchy Mix did to him, <sighs> look out, Bantamweights, because that dude's going to be a problem for a long time. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. BC, I mean... That dude obviously is going to be a problem for a long time, but Jose already said it. We know where we know what's next. He is going to face the winner of Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull. How big is that fight? Who do you favor in that fight? And just tell me your thoughts on Patchy Mix. Well, let's start with Patchy here. Um, is he the best bantamweight in the world You're now? Muted, bud. I- <laughs> oh, that's just the problem the with live live. He, I heard him loud and clear. Yeah, you can. I'm on right now. I'm live. The yeah. people know it, Jed. Maybe you should get that law degree out of the dumpster behind 7-Eleven yes. and, uh, and you know represent my audio here. All right. Yeah, you say you sound great, BC. Yeah. You Thank you. Great. Sorry, I, that, I see. Yeah. That was me. Uh, my Siri decided <laughs> that it wanted to jump in, and I was like, I can't hear anybody right now. Sick. I just I just there it that. is. Anyway, please go on with whatever you were saying, <laughs> BC. <laughs> no. It, it, Look, is Patchy the best bantamweight in the world? We don't know yet because, you know, you can do the mythical matchmaking all you want, but let's give him this credit. I'm saying you could do the mythical matchmaking all you want, but he's not going to walk in the octagon tomorrow. We're not going to find out against those two or three guys that are in the conversation for that. You know, obviously Sterling, the champion, the UFC, but 
the, the deepest, most red hot division across the sport. The best thing going for Apache Mix right now, beyond the one million dollars and the the you know emergence of this power couple with Tatiana Suarez, is that he may have the chance to really have a strong case for that in this conversation. And it's rare, obviously, when someone outside of the UFC can get can mount not just a hey look across the divisions, you know. You, you you know, like it might be as good as the UFC, but like actually make the case. No, I'm the best in the world. He's got an opportunity to face the winner of that Pettis Patricio Pitbull fight, which is going to put a really credible name on top of everyone else. He just fought on this current run. And it's weird that Patchy Mixer Bellator has kind of like accidentally become who we thought Aaron Pico would be at one time and still might be right. More to come on that. And who AJ McKee was at one time, but then, you know, had the setback in that rematch with Patricio and is now trying to get his footing back in this tournament and trying to make that run. The idea of this homegrown guy who's come in full bloom under the Bellator banner to the elite world-class top of the line level. I mean, Patchy Mix was 10 and 0 when he made his Bellator debut in 2019, but he's gone nine and one since. The one loss against Juan Archuleta in a vacant title bout in which he gassed out and learned those crucial lessons that so many fighters have to learn, like Stipe in the first JDS fight. But what did he do overall outside of that? Of those nine wins, he stopped eight of them. The only one he didn't was Horiguchi, who he pulled the upset on and completely controlled. It's the violent, sudden nature of the stoppage wins. And it's the idea here that this guy is um, he's, he's found out how to maximize and round. It's not just rounding out the game to make the striking now potentially as dangerous as the calling card of being able to finish you on the ground in so many ways, but he's raised his game. He's rounded it out and they are setting him up with a, a can't miss fight in the winner here of Patricio and Sergio Pettis, who, you know, who's going to win? Peter Pettis has a lot, of, a lot of questions to answer two years away from this after a big injury and the division kind of, you know, not passing him by, but evolving at such a quick point. I'm not sure Patricio or Sergio Pettis, I would favor betting wise over patchy mix right now, because sometimes these guys get on these runs. And when you're able to be a dual threat finisher, and you're carrying that nasty level of confidence like he is, I don't know. think we know his ceiling. I don't think he does, man. He is on freaking fire right now, and it's good to see Bellator get a chance to, to celebrate this moment. They got the interim belt on the right guy. They got the the right bank account with, a, with $1 million after what he just accomplished. He demolished this bracket, and um, he's going to have a chance to show us whether he might actually be the best in the world. We don't know it yet. We don't know it. You don't freaking know it, Jose. I don't know nothing. Dog. Look, Jose is always very open about not knowing things in this regard, so that's good. Bellator, like you said, BC, on fire right now. They have somewhat legitimate claims to having the best fighter in the world at like heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, bantamweight. Like you can make credible arguments there, which has got to be uh, an all-time peak for them, and. On that note, we had other things that happened. You mentioned it as well, BC. We had Aaron Pico picked up a big win. Uh, you had Liz Carmouche defending her title with a fourth-round submission of Deanna Bennett. So to wrap up this category, it's been a long one. We had a lot to talk about. To close it all down, Jose, let's go start with you. Between the other, the Bellator doubleheader, if you have something from UFC Vegas 71, what, what else do you want to give shine to from this past weekend that we didn't talk about? Hmm... 
I mean, Danny Sabs actually getting a stoppage win has always been impressive because he is incredibly good at wrestling. But as a lot of people said, he's more like this generation's Ben Askren talks a big game, just kind of goes in there and dominates you, which is fine because if you can't get a human being off of you, you don't deserve to win a professional mixed martial arts fight. Uh, so Danny Sabs getting right back in the win column, talking all that stuff, backing it up. Good on him. Liz Carmouche getting another stoppage win because, like, Liz, I think Liz got a bad rap in the UFC. Obviously, she came in uh, in that historic moment against Ronda Rousey and came very close to submitting Ronda Rousey in that first round. Obviously, she had the teeth marks in there. And then she just kind of stumbled at Bantamweight, kind of, you know, was an undersized Bantamweight for a long time, dropped down to flyweight when they added that, had one of, and I, I like Valentin and I like Liz, one of the worst title fights I've ever seen down in, in Uruguay where the two of them just kind of shadow boxed the invisible person in front of them for five rounds and route to Valentina winning a decision. And then she was doing charity work for the UFC and then got the news. She got cut while she was doing charity work for that promotion. So the fact that she's kind of carved out life in Bellator, not just carved out life, but kind of but winning the title. Yeah. She had that weird, that weird win over Juliana came back one again, silenced the doubters Good on Liz Carmouche. Good people deserve good things, and she's one of the good people. She's been a great ambassador for the sport and the LGBTQ community. So the fact that she's getting the shine and now she gets to fight her friend Alimale in Alimale's retirement fight, hopefully in Hawaii. Uh, like I said, good people deserve good things, and Liz is a good person. I'm happy it's all working out for her. BC, what yeah, about like a, you? Who do you want to give like some a, love to? A lot of the things that man said about Hawaii, but I want to double back down on Pico because he had answers and ideas in a key moment because like they they don't they don't effed around with his shoulder last fight against jeremy kennedy and you and you get why there was the urgency to kind of just hey we'll fix it later man go out there and get the win he was on the verge of fighting patricio pitbull for the title and finally coming to the forefront and having his moment in, in trying to, you know, almost write off his record that he was the biggest prospect of all time who crashed and burned multiple times in front of us. I give Pico so much credit for who he's become on this win streak to get to this point, but he had to go out there against you know, a toughish, a toughish opponent. And first and foremost, show us that health health wise, he's fine. And that, that, you know, it wasn't like a Dillashaw situation on the risk they took there. I love, though, even more important about it than the grinding style that led to that victory showing, again, not not the young people who would leave his chin out there, but a guy who's who's leaning on his strengths and getting after it and going to the body on the feet in such vicious ways is he had a great idea. Let me rematch Jeremy Kennedy, put an interim strap on it. Patricio's going to be busy down at Bantamweight fighting Sergio Pettis. Let's find out now. Jeremy Kennedy has done nothing lately but win, and he got that win against Pinko fair and square despite the injury. So um, I really like that idea because – this has been a odd little reality show following the career of Aaron Pico. I think moving to New Mexico has been great for his spirits. Um, there was some mismanaging of his career early on, including his debut, a division up against a veteran. But now we're seeing a guy, and it's good to see, finally get that chance to put all the BS away and and live up to you know and, and live up to his calling by by getting to the title level and then showing us exactly who he is. Um, it could not have been easy being at Aaron Pico the last few years, but, you know, I give him credit for how he's pulled it together. That will bring an end to this round. Great round. We covered a lot of topics, but we got to move because we are taking up time and there's still so much to talk about. Casey, hit me with the drum roll. Round two is going to go to 
Jose Young's. Um, it, we could have stopped early when Jose said death by a thousand lunchboxes. The round <laughs> is over. We just played it out because that's what we do on this show. Mm. All in all in pursuit of content. Next round. With these two gentlemen on, there was one topic kind of called an audible because originally we weren't going to talk about it, but you get two big boxing heads like this and the biggest fight of last weekend happened. How do you not? I'm talking about, of course, Javante Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Tank gets the stoppage in the seventh round with a chef's kiss punch right to the liver. Uh, afterwards, declares himself, I'm the, I am the face of boxing. And that felt a bit weird at the time until the numbers dropped. 1.2 million pay-per-views sold for this one. Uh, biggest pay-per-view in some time. So, BC, let's start with you, our, our the resident boxing head here. Is Tank Davis the face of boxing? And just how good was that performance? Uh, this is a question that I addressed, you know, directly after the fight on the morning combat post show Saturday night in Vegas. And my answer then was, well, not yet, but he's on his way there at a distance that is further than anyone else in this discussion. What I mean is who's still the biggest star in this sport. It's Canelo Alvarez, who's right there also near the top of the pound for pound list as well. And obviously, whenever the heavyweights do big business like Fury and Joshua, they can sell out stadiums in their native land. That's a big deal. But what Tank has done across the board has been very impressive. The selling out of multiple arenas in major U.S. cities, you know, without having any connection there. And really, in some cases, irrespective of who his opponent is, he started to get that tag at, for, for the for not only a younger audience in general that he's cultivated largely through social media like Ryan Garcia has, but he Tank really brings in that celebrity crossover, cool, hip-hop generation type of audience, and they come out for him. And it doesn't matter who he's fighting. And he's been a consistent pay-per-view brand, but to come to the level where he is now, where the live gate is the fifth biggest in Vegas history bigger than any UFC card and only trailing the two Golovkin uh, Canelo fights and, you know, Floyd versus Manny and Floyd versus Connor. That's rarefied air to begin with. But in the proliferation era here, streaming wise, where it's so easy to pirate, there's so many competing streaming options, you know, of entertainment that's trying to get you all of that. And the fact that, you know, no one really ever wants to talk that in 2015, Mayweather Pacquiao kind of broke the pay-per-view business and boxing in general. Um, to go over a million, 1.2, and be the first fight to do that since Canelo Golovkin 2 in 2018, that's a big deal. Tank's pay-per-view numbers were not on this level beforehand. Obviously, you have to tip your cap to Ryan Garcia. This fight does not get made unless 24-year-old Ryan Garcia goes against the advice of those close to him and says, no, I want it right now. So it was the merging of two perfect storms of, of fan bases that are separate from each other, but both targeting young when do you say that outside of like a jake paul fight when do you ever put young in the same sentence of boxing maybe that time mm -hmm. jose young got in a street fight i heard about that <laughs> all right but uh you know it didn't go well for him or fake logan paul but i'll say this the fight we were in your ear us in the boxing media spent the whole build up to that fight bragging about finally this is different right this is young versus young and this is like you know opposite sides of the street we're doing non-boxing things here and then those numbers came in and it felt like it justified that, you know, if, if I can change, you can change. You change. We, all can, we change. all can change. I mean, look, is boxing going to fix itself because of this one good night? No, but it felt really good leading up fight night. 
Now the aftermath, if you build it, the fans will still freaking come out. They really will, right? So let's keep building that shit, all right? Come on now. <laughs> Jose, you did our uh, pre-fight breakdown of this, and you, you, you're a man who loves pugilism, and this was just good, honest-to-God boxing. Now, how'd you feel about Saturday? It was much more competitive than I thought. I said in our preview show that there were two, I know it was a catch weight of 136, but there were two 130, 135, 136 pound fights happening that weekend in Patchy Mix, Rofion Stotts and Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. And I thought the patchy mix Rufiot Stotts fight would be much more competitive than Tank Davis Ryan Garcia and boy was I wrong uh patchy mix ended up being that dude and Ryan Garcia ended up being the guy that can yeah he did get kind of dismantled at the end but he had his moments I had never really been sold on Ryan Garcia but I did say if he shows me anything in the first few rounds then moving forward I will be very intrigued by his career I was one round off. I thought it would be an eighth round TKO. Javante, uh, TKO, TKO. Javante Davis obviously called his shot. And we all, we all, we say this a lot on the preview shows on how the UFC can build stars. Young fighters need that moment where the crowd is just erupting around them after a huge main event win like Connor had in Dublin, like Darren Till had in Liverpool. Like the fact that the UFC never went back to Cleveland with Stipe, the only city that really seems to erupt for Stipe Miocic's title fight was just mind-boggling to me. So Javante Davis having this, as 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 BC said, like it was a, it felt like a massive fight from the outside looking in. I wasn't on site. BC was so obviously, and Casey was. They said it felt like this big deal fight. All the way in Phoenix, it still felt like a massive fight. I hadn't really had that feeling since the second. Triple G Canelo fight and the Fury Wilder fight was great, but that's heavyweight. So anytime like two massive heavyweights do business, like BC said, it be, kind of becomes a spectacle. This just was two incredible talents, young talents fighting. And I agree with BC using the, the word young when talking about boxing is just refreshing. It was the buildup was everything I needed it to be. The fight played out exactly how it should have played out in terms of building all this, this audience. I think it was a home run across the board yeah, just a perfect a perfect storm of two young fighters building this fight up, and then the way it played out, chef's kiss, like you said, loved everything about it. All right, let's talk about the um, the sad part that seems to be destined to come with any major boxing event, the ending, because anyone who's boxed before can recognize that that uh, was a very serious shot right to the liver, and yet you have people like Carl Frampton coming out and saying that, Ryan Garcia quit like he he gave up BC is what do we say to these people this was not a controversial this was not Ryan Garcia doesn't have that dog in him this was just Tank Davis's night correct Tank Davis was the better fighter it played out how we expected I don't think Ryan embarrassed himself on the whole or necessarily set back his career I think this is only a, a, a plus plus he's got a lot to grow technically of course but there was a lot to like there um, but the idea of how we should respond to this does kind of in some ways react to like your where you're coming from should us keyboard warriors who maybe put on the headgear once or twice and went in there and sparred a little bit should we be like oh man man he quit you know he definitely could have got up no i mean in a, in a normal human sense no the, that those type of shots can turn as they say can turn your legs off for a minute or two and you can be down 
Ryan Garcia's own own promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, was stopped by Bernard Hopkins that way and, and you know, had to endure the same thing. But this does feel escalated by not just Frampton's comments. I've heard other pro fighters. And now Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. basically came out and said, like, I don't mm. never ever need to watch Ryan Garcia again, which when you know about mm. that machismo Mexican boxing culture, that's still the the foundation in a lot of ways of, of you know, American boxing fandom in terms of like the, the fighters that become popular and this whole, you know, attitude that maybe is certainly outdated. But if a fighter is watching that, a pro fighter and saying, you know, they're not saying it didn't hurt. They're not saying Ryan Garcia isn't a warrior. You could strategically say him staying down and, you know, fighting another day long term could be the best move business wise and all that. But if they want to say he quit, I think they understand exactly what they're saying. They're saying, could he got a, could he have gotten up and continued? It's very rare that somebody can take a clean, hard body shot that does drop them and that they can recover in that time. It's why when it happens, we celebrate it. Arturo Gatti in the first Mickey Ward fight, he had no business getting up from that. Darren Barker in 2013 when he won that middleweight title in shocking fashion after his brother died, he got knocked down to a body shot against um, against Giel and basically said, I saw my dead brother rise in the ring in front of me and say, get up. I mean, it's rare. Sometimes you need that to happen. But I'm not here to dog and Carl Frampton, though, because they know. Could Ryan Garcia have continued? He probably could have. He probably could have. It would have been painful. It may have set him up for a knockout. His decision, I'm not judging because I'm not in a position to. But if you are subscribing to that old, often outdated, machismo way of looking at this sport, which is natural, why, why to some degree we all still do to some degree. I mean, yeah, he did say no moss. He did rise at the 10 count for a reason. He didn't want any more. I don't damn him for it, though. But if you do and you got the, the hutchpah to back up your stance – I think there's a case for that argument. Just not for me or you, Jed, at all. How dare you? Jose, <laughs> Jose, what, what about you? Is this, to me, this all read like uh, a continuation of the pre-fight narratives around Ryan Garcia as not being a quote-unquote real boxer. But are, are you with BC on this? Do you, are we defaulting to, you know, Carl Frampton and, and Cesar Chavez? Like, how, how are you feeling here? Well, anytime Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. says anything, I'll defer to that man, you know, especially coming from growing up in a brown household, there was Jesus Christ and then there was Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. It was like, and they were, I'm not saying they, they were on the same level. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> I obviously don't know what it's like to get punched in the liver by Tank Davis. I imagine it hurts almost as much as anything in the world would hurt. But I I agree 100% with what BC said. I have no I I don't know what that's like. So who cares what I have to say? But could Ryan have gotten up? Probably. I guess it would just depend on what his long-term goals are moving forward because you got fighters like Roberto Duran have said no mas and that kind of lived with him his entire like they made a movie about it. <laughs> they made a whole they've made documentaries about that fight and him saying no mas. So just I guess if if his end goal is just, you know, make a bunch of money, live to see another day, take these big money fights, win or lose, I'm just a prize fighter, then so be it. But if if he wants to be the next Canelo, if he wants to be the next Julio Cesar Chavez senior and should have kept fighting, but again, that's not for that's not for me to say. Um, because there are a few Mickey Ward Arturo Gattis in the world, and yeah, we love those fights, but look what happened to them after. And Ryan Garcia, if he wants to continue making a lot of money and saving his brain cells and saving his liver and saving everything else, I'm not gonna dog him for it. 
So it sounds like Ryan Garcia will not have his his picture up there next to to Jesus and, and Jesus Christ. Not not gonna make the wall. One apparently. time I that shared an elevator. One time I shared an elevator with Julio Cesar Chavez Senior, and I have never been more starstruck in my entire life of anyone I've ever he met. He has a commanding presence in person. Yes. yes. Yes, he does. Yes, and his bodyguards are about four feet taller than him. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we can end this round better, so we'll cut round three right there. Casey, hit me my drum roll. Your winner, round three, the point is going to go to Jose Young, sneaking in at the wire with his that own makes, personal anecdote about Julio Cesar Chavez. That's very bizarre. All right. Hey, so you, want you that round stole it heart. at the end. Hey, we had Elvis right up there with Jesus, all right, in my house, okay? Please. If BC had said that about Elvis, he might have gotten the point. But unfortunately, I learned things. (laughs) It's a show about growth. I learned what it's like to grow up in a brown household and what it's like to share an elevator with Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. So you get the point, Jose, and we move to the final round of regulation, round four. It's finally time to talk about this weekend, guys. Let's be honest. It's not a great one. Uh, the UFC event, UFC Vegas 72, uh. is headlined by a bantamweight fight between Song Yadong and Ricky Simone. It's a great fight. The rest of that card, poop. Uh, the biggest event this weekend is BKFC 41. So we're going to talk about all of it. Might as well start with there because the BKFC 41, Luke Rockhold taking on Mike Perry in the main event. Co-main event is Eddie Alvarez taking on Chad Mendez. We also have a uh, flyweight title fight between uh, um, Christine Fajera and Beck Rollins and a bunch of other stuff because it's BKFC. So, Jose, we're going to start with you. If we're looking at the BKFC card and we're looking at the UFC card, what one single fight this weekend is the most interesting to you? Oh, I mean... Unfortunately, it's Chad Mendez, Eddie Alvarez, because Mike Perry doesn't particularly like me. Luke Rockhold, I don't know where I stand with Luke Rockhold. Both of them have said very mean things to me, to my face, for whatever reason, during interviews. Chad and Eddie have always been nice, and they I have a lot of questions surrounding that fight. Chad Mendez has looked very good uh, taking the gloves off and fist-fighting human being. Eddie Alvarez, I don't know how he'll look. He's been knocked out a ton uh, in his career. Uh, he's been stopped a lot in rocked a lot in his career against against guys that hit a lot harder than chad mendes the best fight like if we're talking about the best fight the most competitive fight of the entire weekend it's probably song yudong and ricky simone but if we're talking about fights i'm intrigued and have the most questions about it's unfortunately the circus that is bkfc chad mendes versus eddie alvarez it's the one i'm most interested in because mike mike perry luke rockhold for as as fun as those interviews are, that fight does absolutely nothing for me against the Luke Rockhold, the guy who kicks a lot and is very good at grappling, take, taking both of those out of the equation. Don't particularly care. I don't want to see Steph Curry in a dunk competition. I don't want to see Luke Rockhold in just a BKFC competition. So I guess the answer for me by default is Chad Mendez versus Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> BC, what about you? Where, where are you... If you're watching one fight this weekend, what's it going to be? 
Well, I'm not surprised by uh, Jose's answer. Uh, it's the way he was raised. And, you know, in that household with, uh, with, with Chavez, I was raised a little bit differently and, uh, you know, for better or worse, and you would say worse, given the fact that I've been diagnosed with a black liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which basically means you have eaten entirely too much hot dogs out of 7-Eleven and, and fast and gas station food your entire life, which is true. Luke Rockle oh. versus Mike Perry is like steak dinner in the gas station food lineage. You can't freaking avoid it. Like, look, am I here to tell you the idea on the Mass Pike, I-90 in Massachusetts on the way to Boston when you pull over into the little rest stop, and the idea of pre-inserted hot dogs with cheese sauce right in the middle, that that's somehow oh, good for no. you, <laughs> that you should be excited about it? You can feel however you want to feel about it. But if I pull over there, regardless of my medical condition, I find out they pre-inserted the cheese. Remember, they used to do that to the pretzels in high school. Ugh. I am getting on that. OK, I'm doing that. There's a reason why I spent all of the 90s watching Cinemax, HBO and Showtime after 10 p.m. OK, oh, no. there's like there's a fly and the fly keeps running into that glowing thing that you put out on the tree by your pool. Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold is one of the most ridiculously intriguing combat sports fights I could ever remember. They have no business being in the ring against each other. They have no connection before this outside of the fact that they were UFC fighters. But it's perfect because Mike Perry, it turns out, is really, really good at this sport. And he told me when I interviewed him this week that, like, he had this epiphany, like, stop trying to be this thing to everybody else and be this complete MMA fighter and... Just be you. Just go out there and be a savage. He's like really good that the idea of him fighting the former UFC middleweight champion of the world, who's, you know, height wise looks like he's two divisions bigger. It's actually good matchmaking somehow. Like Mike had no business taking MVP in England to a bonus sixth round and then just outworking him. Like Mike Perry has figured out in his weird life and one of my favorite lives to watch. And yes, he's hung up on me and threatened to kill me when I asked him a question about his ex-wife that time. But now we're good. Now we're bros because we respect each other at the end of the day. He's become somehow like this loving family man who's entered into the most financially viable portion of his career doing the dirty work openly and willingly. And he might be the face of like this promotion and like Luke Rockhold, who's like, you know, male model, the most, the most non-savage, but, but technically great and violent, you know, powerfully violent fighter, but who's coming off a fight against Paulo Costa. That was like fight club. It was just freaking weird. Right. It's like, man, one of my favorite, one of my favorite fights of 2022. And we get big Ben Rothwell and we have Mike Alvarado, the old boxers on this car. Like there's a lot of weird items on here, dude. BKFC doesn't always get it right. I do and large think it's the last stop at the end of the combat sports highway. And it's a little bit sad at times, but their matchmaking of late has kind of gotten us up out of the chair. Cause there is life post UFC for a bunch of these guys. Um, you it could come selling your name and getting knocked out by Jake Paul when you're two divisions lower or it could come in this bare knuckle circle where they do tend to respect the fighters. They pay them a lot. And this is like a weird ass rock and jock all-star game. Only it's a bare knuckle fight and it's Mike Perry and it's Luke Rockhold. Yeah. That's the only thing that matters this weekend. Like UFC picked a great couple weeks stretch to completely mail it in. We don't care. Give me the slap bullshit. No, no, not that bullshit. Give me the bare knuckle <laughs> bullshit. That's what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. Both of these men in that main event, Mike Perry and Luke Rockhold, have called me gay in the middle of interviews and walked out of the interview. So well, I they can't deserve this that. main event. That sounds <laughs> incredibly on brand. Yes. That is Casey was there for one of them. It was very funny. I laughed. Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna. I have one more question about BKFC 41, and then we're gonna pivot to at least mention the UFC. But it's it's simply this: this is this is a big event for BKFC 41. On pay per view, they shelled out a lot of dollars for Luke Rockhold, a lot of dollars for Eddie Alvarez, both making their promotional debuts. I mean, they are putting a lot of eggs in this basket. So, Jose, let's let's go to you first here. Is this a make or break event for them? I mean, if no. this one goes over gangbusters, is this is this going to elevate them to a new tier? What are the stakes for BKFC this weekend? Well, the stakes for BKFC is I, I mean, nothing's really on the line in the top two fights. And the fact that we're talking about it right now is I, this is not a break. It's not make or break because the only way, like, have you, you've watched Mike Perry fight BKFC. Like, it's never not interesting because both men look like they went through a blender at the end of the, at the end of the fights. And Mike Perry said something to Luke Rockhold on the MMA hour yesterday where he goes, people like to watch you because they want to see you get your ass kicked. I'm like, well, that's not wrong. Like, there's a lot of people that hate Luke Rockhold that probably want to tune in to watch Mike Perry just put his fist in his orbital. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. This fight is going to be interesting. It's not my cup of tea, but people are going to tune in. They'll watch Chad and Eddie. They'll watch a high-level you know, martial art, if we're using BKFC for that in with that term. And then they're going to get Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold, which is apparently the above ground swimming pool of fights this weekend. So I don't know. It's not break because it's guaranteed <laughs> to be entertaining in at least the post fight interviews. And it's going to be, the, it is without question going to be the most viral fight. And if like a week ago, we we're talking about Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia and how that fight got made on social media. This is going to be the most socially social media friendly fight of the weekend without question. BC is this, is this event going to elevate BKFC out of the, you know, that they don't always get it right. They're the the last stop on the combat sports road. Is this event going to take them to a new level? It could be. And I think sometimes that comes down to timing. And it's not that BKFC wasn't doing stuff like this, you know, a year ago or two ago, bringing in ex-UFC names that we know. I mean, look, the PVC signing, which didn't really turn out great, at least launched this like competitive female division and there's trash talk. I mean, like it still was interesting to watch. Here's where I think it works in the timing wise. I, look, I, that recent boxing card that we saw what was a game bread. Was that no? That was Pettis. Was that Pettis's Showtime promotion? Whatever the hell they call that in, in Wisconsin. It, that, that was, was Masvidal. That was game bread. Oh, that was game bread. There. All right. So mm-hmm. here's my point on this. You know, I don't love Roy Jones in that fight. Whatever on that. 
I thought there was something interesting with the idea of taking pre-established rivalries going, oh, Jose Aldo in, uh, in, uh, in the hardest hitting 145-er, man, they had a fun MMA fight that time. Let's have them box against each other. <laughs> These fights were like, even Belfort mopping around Jacare, and then suddenly Jacare gets up and he's coming back. Like, they were oddly and interestingly competitive, it, like better than like Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Like, it just kind of was like interesting that I've said for a while – and I think we might see it because when Zufa boxing will never die, but I think the UFC, you know, obviously was an error putting all that money and care into slap and that bullshit. What they really need to do is just create Zufa boxing, the promotion. I think they will now that WWE is involved and there's this larger company. Cause you know, wouldn't you love if you're WWE to, to make the brawl for all an actual thing and make it real. But my whole uh. point is there's a, there's, there's money to be made if, if it's done right. And the fighters are treated right in these post UFC fighters still having a little bit of life left and wanting to use their name value to make a fun attraction. I think the UFC has watched uh, all the money they're losing as all these X guys can't wait to get out of their contract, become an X guy, and then try to get in the Jake Paul se- uh, sweepstakes. Somebody had to make a non BS, non triangle ring compromise here of trying to present it as kind of legitimately competitive as we can, but also pay you a lot of money to do that. BKFC, I think, has slid in here with the right card at the right time. Some cool ideas like like the Mendes versus Eddie Alvarez, where if it works, if no one gets hurt, if everybody gets paid and there's sort of fun, competitive, viral moments, yeah, I think there's a potential window there because, uh, you know, these ex-UFC athletes want money and respect. And they're not against taking off the gloves and doing the gnarly bare knuckle thing. We are, as journalists, we're like, why the hell would you want to do that? Every MMA and boxer I talk to are like, oh, that should be easy. Okay. I mean, that's the only thing. As much as I'm against, in general, guys staying on well past their combat prime and just constantly doing the Bigfoot Silva thing, right, and selling your name to anybody, I'm, you know, I'm obviously against that. There are guys who have a certain left in the thing left in the tank. I'm happy when I hear Rockhold and Perry legitimately say this is the most money I've ever made to fight. Like legitimately say that. I'm starting to come around on the idea like, you know, if this works for BKFC until Zufa, if they ever do put that model together, there's money to be made. There's a lot of people that want to do it. Let's do it as like safely and competitively as we can. Like I wouldn't even be mad if they made Zufa championship belts in boxing for ex UFC guys to come in there and box for. I'm sure you're going to throw up in your mouth when you hear that Jose, but that's uh, to me a better way of doing it than sending Tim, than, you know, Tim Sylvia showing up on a slap dock with Mark Coleman there. You know what I mean? What are we doing yeah. here guys? Yeah. I'm, I, I actually don't hate the idea of Zufa titles for ex UFC fighters. Wow. Look at that out of nowhere. That comes in. I, I like BC thought you were, you would hate that nah. Jose. So, all right, let's round out. It's this. boxing. The more belts, the better. <laughs> I, I feel that way about the UFC. They should have many more belts. But that's neither here nor there. Let's wrap this round up by talking about the UFC because we haven't realistically. <laughs> Song Yadong, Ricky Simone. It's a good fight. Everything else in this card, your mileage is going to vary. So, Jose, let's start with you. Oy. Is, is there anything to care about on this card outside of the main event? I mean, <laughs> there are interesting names that I'm interested in to see how they perform. Give in me terms five. Of Michael Oladjacek is a very exciting individual to watch. He's one of those guys that either gets got or gets the other guy. Uh, he's hyperactive in there. Julian Arosa has looked very good. Uh, yeah, he got head kicked by Alex Caceres, but he's another guy that, 
like be, beating Hakeem Duwadu was was hyper impressive. Beating Charles Jordan was hyper impressive. Dude has a TKO win over everyone's current favorite fighter, Nate Landwehr. And I actually obviously scored the fight against Patty over in the Cage Warriors days. I thought Julian Arosa won that. Even Patty said, like, if it's in this current rule set, Julian Arosa wins that fight. Those two are interesting. Adolfo Vieira is very good at submission fighting. He's not very good at MMA. I'm sure he's going to get exhausted in there. And I know how much you love sloppy, tired MMA. That's about it. Those three names I'm very interested in. <laughs> Stephanie Egger is a very, very nice woman. When I was stuck on Fight Island, I was the only thing we were allowed to do for a long time was rent a bike and drive around in a circle. And one of the part of the circle was on like a 45 degree incline. And it was about 100 degrees with a humidity level of 75. And I was absolutely exhausted. And then all of a sudden I look up and Stephanie Egger is on the top of the hill cheering me on. And I was like, oh, God, a UFC fighter is watching me. I can't bitch out now. Didn't bitch out now. <laughs> so props to you, Stephanie Egger, for getting me up that hill. So three of the names I'm excited to watch. And then I'll always watch Stephanie Egger after she cheered me on up that hill in Fight Island. <laughs> BC, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was great. Uh, no, this fight card absolutely blows. And that's not me, BC, being the white belt fan that many people, you know, peg me to be. Like, normally on a regular fight night, I could go up and down that prelim card and tell you a few Instagram fights worth watching in the strawweight yeah. division, right? Like, like there's none of that. Oy. There's there's very, very little redeeming quality. This is the, the bottom end of some people that are getting smart to the business and seeing the factory that the Dana White contender series has become and see how little they can pay the fighters coming in. And now like, this is bad, but what I want to find out is what's going on on the larger hole, because it's not as if any promotion can't have an in-between card that just isn't great or doesn't specifically satisfy what you're looking for. It happens all the time. We can always recall, Hey, what's the worst UFC main event you can remember? Was it really Calvillo versus I, right? Like we could do that game, but you give them that mulligan because they deliver. Now though, we're starting to get a couple in a row that are just sort of like, Oh damn. Like, I don't even think we needed this one. Um, what am I really being offered here? Love Simone versus, uh, versus uh, your dog. I mean, it's great. Right. But like it slides off quick. And then I look at the next pay-per-view and you know, it, it, kind of sucks it kind of sucks a little bit and i look at the one after that in vancouver you know that one kind of sucks too and that abc card coming up's got some decent fights but like you put rosenstruck in an abc main event my point name a name a single person that wanted nunes versus pena three my whole point is what is going on pena. overall pena we know we know what's really going on with the espn contract and it doesn't put as much onus on the UFC to build pay-per-view stars or over market pay-per-views. But I think across the board, along with the idea of being unhappy about slap, along with the idea of seeing too many fight cards at the apex when it doesn't make sense, along with this merger with buying WWE, and will that actually affect anything UFC-wise on the day-to-day? -day? I didn't think it would. But like, what are we doing right now? We're not doing our best anymore. And you know, doing close to the best is like the calling card of why that UFC brand is so strong and why, you know, every weekend you can turn in and, and see that. And maybe this weekend we just get badass fights and, you know, somebody could tell me to shut the hell up, but I'm a little bit worried on the whole right now. Is this like the off season? There is no off season, but this is the off season. Or is this the type of product we're going to get moving forward? Cause um, you know, it doesn't suck, but it ain't great. And um, I remember a time 
when when the UFC was great. In fact, if I had a red cap right now, I would probably send a message to the UFC about figuring out Lord. how to make how to make it all great again. All right, because right now this sucks. I mean, it kind of sucks, guys. Right? It, it does. You know, like it does. You can suck, me a, but you it can take my hardcore card. It kind of sucks. All right. That's gonna be the title of this show. Doesn't suck, but it ain't great. All right. This the original Round main four. event, unfortunately, that the original main event between Nato Moicano and Sarukian was everything I needed. And then Song Yudong, yeah. Ricky Simone was a great co-main. Sometimes No, that wasn't ever the yeah. co-main. That was last week's fight. They oh, moved that's it right. here. That's right. It's trash. So it's always right. this. All right, we're closing it down because we got to get to OT. Oh, or maybe we don't. We'll see who gets the point for round four. Who could it be? (laughs) Brian Campbell gets the point for round four. He correctly identified that Luke Rockhold Mike Perry is the only fight that needs to happen this week. I like how in this matchup, I like how in this matchup between me and BC, I get the boxing questions, the points for the boxing questions, and BC (laughs) gets the point for the MMA questions. Yeah, well, BKFC's <laughs> anyway. We're going to overtime. We're going to round five, the the make or break round. Uh, before we get to it, I should just mention that there's a poll up. It's been up for a while. Vote for who you think wins. You know, be honest about it. Pick the pick the right the right winner here, and let's get into our final topic of discussion. I flipped a coin beforehand in case we got to this position. Brian Campbell, you are going to have the option. Would you like to go first or would you like to defer to Jose Young's? Oh, I want to go first. I, I Let me bang, right? <laughs> let me bang, bro. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, Casey, throw 60 seconds on the clock that BC is almost assuredly not going to respect. <laughs> and let's get into it because this week it was announced that Conor McGregor has a four-part documentary series coming out on Netflix, McGregor Forever. It's going to detail his return from the, the leg injury. And also, BC, Showtime, the label that pays you, released a documentary series this month, Catching Lightning, covering former UFC fighter Lee Murray, who orchestrated one of the largest robberies in history and is currently still incarcerated. So the question for you is... If somebody, if Showtime, Netflix, Amazon, whoever it is, comes to you with a big bag of money and says, I want you to create a, a documentary, a four-part docu-series on an MMA fighter or or an event, who or what would it be about? Um, three words. Just bleed guy. <laughs> That's it. And it'd be freaking, That's all you're and it'd be, and it'd be freaking awesome. He went to jail, right? Like, just see the guy smoking the joint next to him too, like real on the slide. No, um, it's a great question. All right. I mean, Betchkohea maybe. Um. <laughs> Chael Sonnen. Let's just do that one already, all right? I mean, he's got he had the most interesting life. Will he be honest about things? Why were you staying at the Luxor that night, Chael? Did you really kill oh, seven people? I mean, no. what's going on here? You know what I mean? I don't have it today. You know, I dropped the ball. <laughs> it's not a bad Just bleed guy. Just bleed guy. <laughs> I 
I mean, it's not a bad answer. It's it's not well, it's a bad not. answer at all. Sorry, I, I got booted. I that for uh, it. So uh, you, you yeah. could have you could have added some flourish to it. <laughs> But there we go. BC just just caught off guard. Jose you just had, fell apart. Just yeah. Honestly, credit to you, BC, because I think that's the first time you've ever come in under the sixty second mark. Yes. So and Jose Chavez Senior just tweeted that he'll never watch the show again. So there oh, you go. Yeah. I'm right. sorry for your loss. <laughs> Jose Young's the same question. If somebody, Showtime, Amazon, Netflix, whoever, gives you a big bag of money to make an MMA docuseries, who or what are you doing it on? Casey, get the air horns ready, because the only answer is I want to see the circus surrounding Affliction MMA, because that seems that still seems like such a fever dream to me. The fact that we got, what was it, Megadeth playing for an ungodly amount of time while Fedor and a bunch of other fighters just stood on the stage. I want an entire episode on just that decision. The contrast in that is, I watched that video every few months and i just have a great time the i want to see the lineup like jesse taylor who's still fighting was supposed to be up ben rothwell who we just talked about on bkc was supposed to be on the canceled third card donald trump was there we can get all of esther and casey's footage fedor knocking out tim sylvia fedor knocking out andre arlovsky it all happened in the famed honda center where ronda rousey kicked in the door for women's mma matt leland fall on that card josh barnett fall on this card i want to see the, all the whole circus and it means we get all the bad affliction shirts for five episodes because that's what i want tough 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 final round to judge really thank god i don't have that that power we have just more. bleed guy versus affliction mma i, I mean no, i should have just this. bleed guy is it bad might be tough to make four apps on it though <laughs> might be a tough stretch okay <laughs> you, know, sure you, you know what i should have went with it doesn't count i should have went with the uh the night elite xc fell apart when they when that is the correct answer that's why i was, about, I was that's why i was about to jump in right now I was about to say that I'm not, I'm not a yep. contestant, but I was going to say I want to see a doc because right. I was working for Elite XC at the time. Like I like the night, the, the whole Ken Shamrock, um, Petra Kimbo, Sli night, that, yeah. Kimbo Slice. It was yep. like, let me just say, so I was working for Elite XC. I'm sitting in row two. I got my dad tickets. He's, I'm there with my two brothers. You know, all this stuff went down earlier. You know, it was crazy. You know, did Shamrock really do it on purpose? Was it a whatever? Was he just trying to get more money out of their promotion? Nobody knows the truth. Kimbo gets knocked out in 10 seconds. I, I look oh. over at my dad. I go, ooh, I need to find a new job. <laughs> and sure enough, I was laid off about a week later. Like, it was, oh, it was wild. And, yeah, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, do, and I don't know the truth. Happens. No one knows the real truth what happened that day. Um, well, I've heard think so many the, stories. And then you know Seth Petrozelli said afterwards that they offered him money in the locker room to not take to not take Kimbo down, and you could tell the whole story of Kimbo through this film as well. So yeah, and the more Jared Scala Shaw we get in there, uh, you know, oh, like, better. you know, the I mean, he was Dana White while Dana White was still Dana White. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. And I mm. and I've heard I've heard rumors of like allegedly um, the late Kimbo Slice was they didn't think they were going to fight and they were just having a blast you know and then all of a sudden like oh you're fighting like oh okay yeah. <laughs> so a lot of crazy stories yeah oh that's the right answer it was one you of the still one of the funniest things that's ever yeah. happened in this sport 
get your votes in Casey while you are doing the tabulation I will run us down uh, programming notes my keck is still off so tomorrow morning AK Lee will be back with Lee of a morning uh, so make sure to tune in for that we'll have a preview show for this weekend tomorrow I think uh, it's me AK Shaheen Alshadi and, you know, just the normal weekend coverage stuff. If, if you're not trying to watch or if you can't afford the pay-per-view, tune in to MMAfighting.com, great website. Uh, we'll have you covered for all of that. And Some may say the best. Some some may say the best, uh, but, you know, there are also people who really like morning combat who, BC, I'm sure you guys are covering the all of the critical, combat. the award-winning morning combat. You're covering all of the critical events this weekend. I'm certain that's true, correct? Yeah, especially that bare knuckle one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's the one you want, Casey. Do we have a winner? Yes, sir. We do have a winner. We have a winner. Well, for an, an illustrious prize. All right. Which ch- I changed the pull up pull up a bit. This wasn't a straight, you know, pick red corner, blue corner. So, <clears throat> with thirteen <laughs> percent. Of today's votes. What in God's name did you make this poll? With 13% of today's votes is Jose Youngs. So uh, <laughs> he oh, doesn't get the, the sounds. Uh, <laughs> what was the poll? <laughs> yeah, I, with, I need to know what with, the poll was. With, so 13 for Mr. Jo- Jose Youngs, with 16% of the votes, Mr. E. Casey Lydon. <laughs> <laughs> So Casey wins. <laughs> and with 21% of the votes, Jed Mishu. Yeah. With 50% of the votes, your winner today is, of course, <laughs> Mr. Brian Campbell. What was the poll? Who would win in a hot dog eating contest? <laughs> we never could have seen this coming. Yeah, I felt like Usman against Leon. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. Um, Even with my disastrous uh, fall at the end, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you to the people for voting for me. And uh, you know, Jose Youngs is a very admirable opposition. I respect him greatly. Thank you. Anytime, man. That was fun. What a humble man in victory, Jose. Before we get out of here, do you have anything to say? You saw it coming. Does it hurt any yes. less because you knew? I mean, I don't get mad when the sun rises. It's just kind of a matter of fact. It's just science. Anytime you go up against anyone that's part of Morning Combat, you're going to lose. So, saw this coming. Not overly upset about it. But, everyone, <laughs> go donate. Comicbookforkids.com. Oh, what a, what a message. And we'll end on that message. So, Casey, hit the music. Because that's it, folks. Uh, Mike Heck returns next week to take over this. So I won't be in this chair. I might be where BC is. I might be where Jose is. We'll see. Until then, I'm Jed Mishu. That's Jose Youngs. That's Brian Campbell of Morning Combat. That's E. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos. Thanks for spending the time with us. We love y'all. And let the iconic voice of Esther Lynn take you home. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. Media Podcast Network.
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.